welcome to the Wellbeing at Work podcast, where we help you optimize all aspects of well-being in the workplace. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are continuing our mini-series on workplace well-being, the five components. You are joined here by me, your host, Alejandra Hernandez, career and leadership coach and founder of OptiWellbeing Solutions. And hi, I'm also here, Matthew Michael Komen. I am a co-founder as well on the Opti team and the CFO and delighted to be here to talk into social well-being and share some tips for you guys. Lovely. So component two of five, we're talking about social well-being today. Social well-being, meaning everything about relationships, the relationships we have in our lives or lack thereof. And it's been no secret that over the past couple of years, we've seen a tremendous amount of change at work and the impact that it's had on social well-being. We went through collectively a pandemic that led to a lockdown, meaning we were in our homes and our social well-being was impacted amongst many other things because our lack of ability to go out and interact with people, something that we were very accustomed to. So today we're going to talk about social well-being. We're going to talk about more about what it is. We're going to talk about how this impacts the workplace and also the benefits that you can reap when social well-being is enhanced amongst your team members at work. And then we're going to give you some really simple tools, simple tips on how you as a company leader can enhance social well-being at work. So as we get started, first, social well-being is all about relationships. One of the things that we have found in studies released by Gallup is that when you have a best friend at work, you're much more likely to stay at a job, which is so interesting, but it's also very human nature, right? Like wherever you go places and you bond with people, you want to be there because you feel a bond with another person and it's human nature to want to bond with other people. And so as we talk about how do you have a workplace where people can communicate immune, where people can connect and where people can build relationships is really, really crucial. Now, as companies have moved to hybrid, they've moved to remote. Some companies are still grappling with whether they come back to the office or not. We're seeing a lot of the conversation around social well-being. We've heard from people who want people back in the office because they want people to be able to come together, see each other be creative in a, in a, you know, a conference room, whatever it may be. Now it's fine to stay hybrid and stay remote. I actually advocate for flexibility and that ability for people to give that opportunity to their employees. However, when it comes to social well-being, one of the biggest problems is when people are going remote or going hybrid, but they're not adjusting how social well-being will look different in those situations, then you have a circumstance where people's social well-being are diminishing. There needs to be an adjustment. If you are going hybrid and you're going remote, you've got to recognize that social well-being is important. How do we maneuver around these things in order to ensure that social well-being remains? And so secondly, on top of that, when we talk about social well-being, some of the things that are so important is being able to simply allocate the time for people to still come together and connect, even if you are hybrid or you are remote, or if you are in person to allow that space for that to happen and not call it like 
a waste of time. That's like a big thing where people think like, oh, people are chit-chatting, you're wasting time. A lot of times the chit-chat is that part. It's social well-being. It's allowing people to connect, get to know each other. Like, what did you do this weekend? Was that fun for you? What's the funnest thing you've ever done? What's the coolest place you've ever traveled to? These are the types of things that really build bonds at work and are important because it increases people's feeling of well-being at your place and then also increases their dedication to being there because they have these connections with people. And so with social well-being, as again, we're maneuvering through all these different things. To add to the point of the main thing in social well-being is relationships. Mm -hmm. Speaking directly to the leaders and really coming from my experience and background, being a leader and dealing with a bunch of leaders, I think one key important takeaway for any leader listening to this is to make sure that you take care of your social environment as well. And that may or may not be with your direct team of employees. However, the impact that having a social life can have on your ability to relate with those people that are maybe outside of the workplace so that you can get things out, so that you can express yourself and not necessarily take something that needed to be expressed into the workplace. So to be very mm. clear on this point, I think it's really important as a leader that you do have that safe space where your relationships can grow with whether it's mm -hmm. your family, your outside friends, so that when you do come back into the work setting and you're leading your team, none of that stuff is living inside of you. And it's really important so that you can you know, really be present and be there for your work team. So that was one thing yeah. that was coming up as you were so elegantly sharing uh, the importance on relationships. And I think that's yeah. a cool takeaway for the leaders. Yeah. And Matt, something you just reminded me of is also as this whole conversation around, do we go remote? Do we go high? Do we stay hybrid? Do we stay remote? Do we go back into the office? All these different things. We need people to come together. One of the things is also understanding that people are different and have different needs for their social well-being. For example, people who are maybe newer and fresh out of college and they're starting their first job or maybe this is their second year in their professional career, a lot of times a tremendous amount of their social well-being is coming from work because they're new. They just graduated college. The people that they went to school with have dispersed and maybe they're in all these different parts of the country. So early in the career, a lot of times the workplace is the place where they're getting a lot of that social well-being, is the place where they're making those friends versus people. And this is, you know, a generalization. That's not always true. But also when you get older, you start finding people that are maybe the older millennials and they have families and they have a strong network outside of work. They may not feel such a need to fill up their social well-being cup through work because they have such a strong one outside of work. And so it's important to notice as a company leader that people's social well-being, and if you imagine this as a cup and you imagine how full, I actually have a cup here, so I'll show it for the people watching. But if you just imagine a cup and you think about how full it is, people are going to be at different levels of how full their cup's going to be based on their life circumstances and where they are. So you may find that a certain group of people or certain individuals in your team may need some more support in having and enhancing their social well-being. Same thing if you hire people that are maybe fresh 
new to this country or fresh new to a city and they don't have any friends and they're kind of building that, then they're probably going to need some extra support in their social well-being in order to feel overall a sense of well-being at work. So really great. Thank you for mentioning that, Matt, because I think that's important. It's important that we all fill up our cups in the social well-being aspect in different ways. And work is one of the ways that we can do that. Yeah, no, those are great points. And I think two kind of key takeaways that we both just mentioned really cover the full spectrum. You know, what comes up for me listening to you share all of that is the importance of recognizing what's going on on your team. So it's cool because mm -hmm. in this conversation, we're, we're both of us are kind of talking to the leader and, you know, the employee. But ultimately, this gets funneled to the leader to understand what's actually happening in the environment, in the workplace environment, what's going on with your employees. And being able to observe that comes back to the leader to be able to set up areas where they can grow and, and actually be social. Right. And it's also as a leader to one of the things that I've mentioned in the past is you see the world as you are, not as it is. And there's a quote, I don't know who's attributed to, but you see the world as you are, not as it is. And so if you're like, I love remote, I want to stay home. I don't want to go into the office. This is such a waste of time. All these different things then understand that that is the way that you feel and the way that you perceive the world based on, again, where you are. You may have people on your team that don't feel that way. And I've been on teams in the past where there were people desperate to leave their homes. And again, in this case, it was early career, people, you know, still living at home with their parents. And so they were desperate to get out. They wanted to go to the office. They wanted to see other people. They needed to be able to get out. And so it, just because you may feel like this is such a waste of time, it doesn't mean that your team members don't feel like they need that sense of social well-being. So against whether you're hybrid, remote, in-person, all of those still apply. It's just you as a company leader, what's most important to see what is the environment? Is it hybrid? Is it remote? Or is it in-person? And then from there, decide how do I cultivate social well-being from this place? Now, I'm going to give you some tips, some tools and some tips for you as a company leader to enhance social well-being at work. One of them is increase the, uh, for people's ability to socialize at work. So how do you do this? If you're in person, maybe it's being able to have some wiggle room. Like if you come in between this time and this time, it's fine, but work starts at this time. So I was, I remember a company who I think their start time, I want to say was nine, but they would have people trickle in between, you know, eight to nine, eight thirty to nine, whatever it may be. And what they would say is, look, if you come in at 8.30 and you want to, you know, grab yourself a snack and say hi to people, whatever it may be, totally fine. But as soon as it hits nine, it's time to work. It's time to be at your desk and it's time to work. And that's how they did it. Again, find what works for you. But they were allowing that because they saw people would, how was your weekend? What did you do? Oh, my God, what do you have? What did you have for breakfast? What did you get from Starbucks? Like all these things. And it builds a sense of bonding with people. And so that's one thing is allow for increasing socialization at work. If you're remote or if you're hybrid, then how do you, for example, in meetings, allow for the first four to five minutes be people interacting with each other? How was your weekend? Maybe 
maybe you have a prompt or a question that you deliver and then you put people in breakout rooms if you're in a Zoom. Think about creatively different ways where people can come together and chit chat because that's probably one of the things that have really decreased tremendously going remote is before when, when we had in-person meetings, a lot of times it would take maybe a minute or two before it really started and people were just chit chatting. But in a Zoom, it's becoming less and less where it's like people don't usually do that. It's just like you're off camera, you're on mute. And then as soon as it starts, you're on camera and you're on mute. I mean, you're off mute. And then you're really missing out on those valuable minutes where people are beginning to connect. So increase the socializing time and also as you're onboarding as well. If you're onboarding new employees, you know, again, this has changed with the pandemic allowing people to go hybrid and remote. But if you are onboarding people, it's really, really important that you allow them to begin to meet other people, meet the other leaders in the organization. And this is what I do. And this is how your work contributes to what I do as part of this company, because then social well-being relationships, you start feeling like you are part of something much bigger, which is where purpose can begin to brew. And that's where, I mean, that's really, really great for people in terms of feeling dedicated to the work, to the company that they're in. So that's one right there. Now, if you are in person, encourage activities. Generally, trust does develop quicker in person, just human nature. I mean, we were designed and built to commune in person with people. So it's not to say that you can't do it remotely, but just understand those things and see them for what they are and see where is it possible. If it's not possible for it to be in person, that's fine. Just think outside of the box when it comes to how does it look like to have people come together in order for these activities to happen. So if you are in person, engage in activities. Uh, one of the things I would give just as a, a tip under a tip is uh, think of a variety of different activities. Not, you know, I think one of the most common ones have been happy hours. And while those can be okay, just think outside of that because not everyone drinks. And, you know, we are <laughs> well being at work. And I personally am not a heavy drinker. And I know other people who don't drink for personal reasons, well being reasons, and religious reasons. So think outside of how you can have people come together and commune outside of drinking as well. So that's just a tip that came up for me there. A quick interjection on the mm -hmm. happy hour. You're listening to the Wellbeing at Work podcast. Maybe a tip can be to essentially create what happy hour even means to you mm. and your team. You Ooh. know, it, it's, it's called happy hour. It is, you know, generally correlated with drinking. I would agree with that. However, you're the leader. You're listening mm -hmm. to this. Make mm -hmm. a happy hour happy in knowing that this social time is crucial for the growth of my team and of my mm -hmm. company and how you get to fill that happy hour. You know, that gets to be a creative expression of you as a leader. So maybe that's love a, that. a tip that can be taken. Yeah, that's great. Thinking about outside the box. I love that. How do you take what has been, is <laughs> I've never actually even looked at like how interesting it is to have it be happy hour and have it be so closely connected to alcohol, but I won't go down that rabbit hole, but yes, we can, we can reframe like what is happy hour for you and your team, for you and the people in your company. I love that, Matt. Thank you. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is if you are remote again, create times where people can come together and simply chat, simply connect, no agenda, no meeting really important. One of the stories I'll tell you is I was working with a client of mine who works at a big firm and is remote. I would say a hundred, actually, yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent remote and has not met any of her team members in person. And she's, I would say in the late thirties, early forties, just to kind of give an age range um, on that. 
And again, it's important because then we begin to see the differences in individual needs and age demographics. And she told me that there was an intern who started at the company and that the intern had requested and asked like, hey, is it okay if we just like have this time and block this time out and we just like hang out? I can get to know you. I can see like, you know, what your career has been like, just like the willingness for her and the courage for her to say, I know I'm an intern. I know I'm the young one, but I want to get to know you. Like, can we actually be on camera and can we actually like connect with each other? And my client was like, of course, you know, she was open to it and they did it. And my client said, I didn't realize how much I needed that until the intern was like, can we just hang out? Can we just talk? And it just goes to show how these simple things can go such a long way. And everything doesn't have to be start and diligent. We're working on this all the time. Like just super <laughs> diligent in that way. Like these things are still productive. And notice how I didn't say not everything needs to be productive because I do believe this is productive. I do believe that when you create social time with your team to chat, no agenda, no meeting, no work thing being discussed in that moment, work may come up naturally, but not as a part of the agenda. It is productive. It's productive in producing a result where your team feels more bonded, where your team feels like they have each other's back, where your team develops trust. So I really, really like that story. And I share it with you because even if you are remote, there are still ways for you to be able to enhance social well-being. You just got to be able to think outside the box and make sure that you're creating times for people to come together in order to chat, in order for people to get to know each other and how can you make those fun ways. So those are the tips I've got for you there in terms of enhancing social well-being. To kind of recap here, social well-being is all about relationships or the lack thereof. The more that you can enhance social well-being at work, the more committed, dedicated employees you will have. And it will also not be as easy for them to be swayed or to leave your company because they're going to be like, dang, but like my friends here. And I really enjoy this work. And this is where it all comes together where social well-being is connected to all the other aspects of well-being. So make sure you catch every single part of this episode series that we're doing, because even if someone has great friends at work, but they don't like their career, career well-being, or maybe they love their friends at work, but they're getting paid way below their what they're capable of in order to keep up in the city that they're living in, financial well-being, they're not going to stay. So all of these do play a part with each other. But as you enhance social well-being by creating spaces for people to come and connect, you'll find that people will have a deeper commitment to the company because of that. And you as a company leader can 100% begin to encourage that through the tips that I just shared with you, increasing socialization time through meetings or before meetings or a separate meeting. And don't even call it a meeting because the word meeting can kind of have such a heavy connotation because we're always in meetings. And then also being able to, if you are in person, encourage activities, reframe what a happy hour even means, have things that are different so that people can come together and get to know each other and develop that trust. So I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that you go and you start implementing some of these things. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you in the next one where we continue the podcast mini series on the five components of workplace well-being. If you found this podcast valuable, we invite you to check out our free checklist, the five action items to optimize your workplace today. You can grab yours over at www.optiwellbeing.com. That's O-P-T-I wellbeing.com. Get yours now and we'll see you there.